Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, Homefield Apparel. Dot com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, if you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word. Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product. And Auburn is one of their biggest sellers, like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn Undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Hope everybody is having a good weekend. Probably listening to this one on Sunday morning. Make sure I get my days right. Yeah, recording this on the on Saturday night after what was a couple very informative days. We we knew this ahead of time, talked about it with uh with Mark and Christian a couple days ago leading up to things. We knew this was gonna be very telling weekend for Auburn as uh, they pretty much close out fall camp. Brian Harson said, you know, Sunday is the last day of quote camp. And then you really start to just get into, get into mixing the depth chart stuff with, with game preparations. And so we learned a lot and to talk about that, we'll bring in Mr. Jason Caldwell and Mr. Philip Marshall on today. And uh, you guys, I was saying before we started, I mean, we, we start with the quarterbacks every time, but that's what people want to talk about. And, um, you know, I think our job here on this show should be to attempt to spell out to people um, how obvious it is after the conversations we have had the past two days 
and and you know stuff we continue to hear. But obviously, we talked to the coordinators on Friday after their second scrimmage. So obviously, Eric Keesaw bringing some good insight there, and then talking to Brian Harson today, uh, Jason. It it overwhelmingly apparent at this point that you know we've got a timeline. They're going to go over things on Monday. Maybe looking at middle of next week, Harson said it won't be later than the end of next week in terms of an announcement. But it seems pretty apparent at this point that Auburn has its starting quarterback for the 2022 season. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any question at the moment, unless something drastically changes and uh, and they have some kind of scrimmage that we don't know about, uh, then uh, then it's pretty much done at this point. I mean, we, we've seen it. We've heard, you know, heard about it and we've seen it with their own eyes that, that TJ Finley getting, you know, he's continued to get most of the, the first team reps. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this another way. The reps he gets are with the first team and the other guys are kind of rotating some with the first, but then they get second, third, TJ Finley gets first team reps. And so um, we saw that even today, um, Zach Calzada mixed in a little bit with um, the seconds and, and, and thirds and, um, and, and, you know, Robbie Ashford's a guy that is mixing with the first and, and playing some with the first and second. It it sure like looks like to me that this thing is T.J. Finley as a starter, Robbie Ashford as the two, and probably a guy that we're going to see in action in, in the first game. And so um, I think that's kind of the starting point here. And, you know, it's I was thinking about it today. As, you know, two weeks ago, we got on the podcast and we say, look, um, is Zach Calzada's job to lose? And I'm – I don't know that anybody. I don't, think, I don't think T.J. Finley has has gone out and set the world on fire. I don't think Robbie Ashford has gone out and set the world on fire either. But I think that Calzada has not done what he needed to do, and and that's part of a quarterback battle as well. And um, Philip, we've seen it time and time again. Sometimes it's just a matter of going out and, and doing what the coaches want you to do, and that seems like what T.J. Finley has done better than anybody else at this point. Yeah, uh, you know, the thing about it is, unless, I mean, if you're Cam Newton, you can kind of do what you want to do. <laughs> Correct. But if you're, not, got yet. if you're not, then you better show that you can do what they want you to do. And I, you know, and I don't know what has happened to with Zach. Uh, I have heard really from the start of fall practice before – before the start of practice, that uh, that that T.J. Finley had had come back with a really just a different vibe about him, and uh, and and you know he knows that he's it's last year was hard for everybody. It's a new offense that nobody had run it before, and uh, and now while it's a new coordinator, it's not so much a new offense, and. Uh, he's got the most experience and feels the most comfortable that, you know, you know, he's going to have to show he can consistently do it when the, when it gets live. But, uh, but you know, that's, uh, you're going to have a quarterback race. You got to give it to the guy that wins it. And it's, it seems extremely obvious that, that, uh, that TJ Finley has won it because for one thing, I mean, it's just at this point, it's, if you're not, Number one at this point is hard to get there at any position, really, because there's no more scrimmages and uh, they'll be doing game prep here within a few days. So it's 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 hard, it's hard to make a move after whatever they do with it with their depth chart tomorrow. And uh, 
decide what the two deep is. It's hard to make a move on that uh, before the game. Yeah, I think, you know, you listen and you kind of read between the lines of Eric Keesaw yesterday, Brian Harson today. And it's like you said, Jason, that first and foremost, operating, command, understanding, bringing your teammates along. Uh, that's something that Brian Harson just continues to mention over and over again. He gave another example today of something that happened in the scrimmage of TJ Fiddley, mm-hmm. recognizing something, assessing it, making sure his teammates are in place. Um, you know, and that's and that's part of it is Brian Harson's coaching style, you know, making sure that everybody is 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 disciplined, knows what they're doing. We we know that that's a big thing, of course, for him. But the other part of it is, like Philip said, um, you know, you need to go out there and and just, you know, if you're if you're not Cam Newton, which, of course, nobody in this quarterback room has, I don't think, head and shoulders amount of talent over anybody else. You just need to go out there and execute. And, you know, the assumption was Zach Calzada would be able to come in. Settle in, you know, I think in hindsight, maybe we should have expected a little more rust at the start, um, but the expect, yeah, expectation was, okay, you know, get the bumps out um, and then settle in. And at this point, it seems like not only has, you know, Finley overtaken him for that number one spot, Jason, um, you know, from what we saw in the practice today, we got to see all of their Saturday practice, which was a lot lighter of work after the scrimmage. But like you mentioned, Robbie Ashford's the other one who's taken those, those reps with the first team. Um, Zach Calzada is, is, I don't don't know, phased out is the right word, but I mean, this is the part of preseason where you've got to start dedicating those reps and give them mostly to Finley, give some to Ashford. There's just not enough left on the table. And it seems pretty clear that Zach Calzada, not only did he not win the job, he's probably their number three guy right now. Yeah. It's, it's your, it's almost impossible now to, at this point. And we talked about even before it's tough to have a three man quarterback battle because it's, it's hard to get that many reps for all three guys. And so, um, and you know, I, you know, it was, I think they, they started paying reps out even before the second scrimmage. Cause that's, you know, he didn't get nearly as many of the reps in the, in that second scrimmage as the other guys did. And, you know, that, that has to be by design because there's no other way to go about it to, to if you want the other two guys to really have a chance to succeed, uh, in doing this. And Philip mentioned something I think is exactly right in this, in this situation as well. If you're Zach Calzada and you've got some of those issues, a mistake here, or there, but you're absolutely lighting it up. They'll figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. But if, if, if but if you're not, then that's what separates you. And so Robbie Ashford has something the other guys don't have. And he's, and you know, we've heard, um, talked to a couple of people within the program and said, look, it's starting to click for him a little bit. So you add that into the guy that has the best running style, the guy that's explosive with his legs and you know can make some plays and you have a guy that gives you something different. And, um, you know, I think that's the thing. And, and you know, I, you know, kind of getting back to your comment too, Nathan, about maybe we should have expected some rust. Yeah, we should have, but it, it still doesn't take away the fact that, and they brought Zach Calzada in here to compete and, and he came in to, to win the starting job. And, and so uh, it was there for him, the opportunity. And who knows four weeks from now, he may be on the field and, and may take over the job but I don't think that's going to be the case early in the season. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it, it seems like at this point, and it, like you said, it's, it's tough to play three quarterbacks in, you know, it's tough to give them reps and practice. It's, I mean, we saw Gus Melzahn try to do it, of course, um, but it's not easy to play three quarterbacks in a game either, but it, it seems like maybe, maybe that might be the case early on um, in the season. I, obviously again, nothing is official. Um, but you know, Philip, it, it, it seems like at this point, if TJ is named the starter within the next few days, which seems, you know, 
all but wrapped up at this point. Um, it, more than likely, you'll see Ashford not just getting, you know, oh, they're up, you know, 45 to nothing. Right. It'll, I mean, it'll be real offensive work, number one, because he's your number two guy. Number two, he got so many first-team reps. He, he knows this offense pretty well. Clearly, he's getting more confident, like Jason was talking about, becoming a better passer within this offense. Um, you got to give him his opportunity, and if he starts to spark and Finley does not, then that's when maybe things could change in a couple weeks. Yeah, also, you could have a situation where there's – and I'm not saying this is the case, but if he's not ready to run the entire offense, well, you want him – he might play in every game, but if something was to happen to Finley or Finley was to just not be able to get it done, then you still could see if Cal Zeta is making progress, you could still see him jump into number one and, and Ashford still continue in the same role uh, as he'll have up with, uh, with TJ. I, who knows? I, I think I'm sure they would like to be able to put, to play all three quarterbacks uh, in the first game against Mercer. But uh, uh, we'll see if that's the case. And uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's been, it's been very interesting because I think a lot of people thought, and I didn't, and I, I, I agree that Zach, they, they signed Zach Calzada hoping he would win the job and be everything they wanted him to be. But to say he was signed to start, I think that's something of a stretch. I think he was signed to have an opportunity to start. Yeah, and, and, uh, uh, but yeah. you get, but you got to make good on it. Correct, and that's why I think I, you know, I thought, I, and I thought it was his job to lose, meaning that he had to go out and earn it. Um, that's the thing, you know, you, you're brought in for that position, but it's not guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed, and so you look at it, you got to go out and produce, and um, and he hasn't to this point. And, I know the, the one of the interesting things about this is is you're right about you know Robbie Ashford. Um, is it is it a some some package things for him? I thought we got a key and a clue today from Brian Harson where he talked about the lights come on and can you stand in there and do those things when it's actually a game and all that stuff. Meaning we need to see these guys when it's real. Meaning. There's going to be multiple guys, and I've been saying all along I thought we'd see at least two quarterbacks against Mercer. I'm not changing my mind on that. I think we'll see two, and I think we're going to see two in a planned way, not just, hey, we're going to give, you know, Robbie Ashford some goal line snaps. Um, right. Yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, third series, fourth series, whatever it is, and go, hey, go, go see what you can do. Sure does. Look, it, it certainly does appear that way. And uh, – uh, you know, to me, and I got and I got to believe that they know what they're, what's going to be the response to what they're saying. I mean, I, I'm not sure anybody expected uh, uh, Eric Keesaw to put it the way he put it on on uh, Friday, which left the distinct impression that that uh, that TJ was well number one, mm-hmm. and that and that. Zach was number three. I mean, he said a lot of really rolling things about about TJ and about Ashford, and said uh, said uh, uh, Calzada had a lot of things to work through. So, I mean, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, Harson. I mean, Harson did the same thing. Yep. Today, pretty much. I, I he did say that uh, 
Calzada was pretty effective moving the chains. That was the compliment he was able to yeah. give him from that scrimmage. But yeah, it it's it's remained over the past, you know, and, and this is all obviously in conjunction with what we see at practice, what we hear, all that kind of stuff. But like it, it, over the past week or so, it's really been CJ has the command. The 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 comments Phillips is talking about, yeah, they were really jarring. Um, you know, that it kind of painted the picture pretty clearly. Uh Kesaw said TJ had really good command, had a lot of precision. He checked some plays for us, got us in the right play, which is good. Bat Ashford, he said, um, he's done a better job maturing in that position. He's athletic, he can really run, but he's starting to play the quarterback position, which is important. And then on Calzada, he said, We've got to keep bringing him along. And then later on, he said, We've got to keep him as consistent as we go through. And so that's a pretty good summation, I think, for all the guys. For Calzada, though, um, Philip, it seems like the most likely outcome for him becoming you know number one obviously is he's got to do it over the course of the season yeah um, now he's got he, to he's if something happens that he gets an opportunity he's got to go in there and take advantage of it yeah he gets a real op- when i say an opportunity i don't mean an opportunity to play against mercer i'm talking about an opportunity when it matters again in a close game and uh if, if for whatever reason, if TJ's struggling or TJ's hurt or whatever, and he gets his chance, that's that'll be his chance to make his move. Yeah. But I don't believe there's going to be a chance before, until or unless that happens. Yeah. Again, this is, you know. That's speculation. Yeah. No question. All right. is speculation. <laughs> sure. But, and I trust you guys for having the same opinion because y'all have seen these play out many a times. Um, but it certainly seems like it's, uh, it's all been, tr- it's been trending this way really for the last week. But at the end of the day, something that, you know, needs to be hit home is this is not a, you know, Keesaw said at the start of camp, you know, we'd love to have a third year starter, but we don't, um, you know, this is not a, this is none of these guys are bonics. This, this is a short leash for TJ Finley. This is not a play through it, play through it, play through it, play through it and try to figure things out. Because number one, you don't—he's not the alpha at the position that you've had. But number two, the capable guys behind him. You know, this is—they're you know, all three guys are are plenty capable of going out there and making plays. And so, as much as we've learned through fall camp, and you know, we wanted to learn, I think the first few games of the season, we will—it will also be this conversation will just continue. Um, and you know, I think the probably the best case scenario for Auburn—I don't know what y'all think. We, we have no way of knowing which one of these guys will be the best. We'll give them the best ceiling. I just think at this point, now that you've kind of, you're, you're going to, seems like you're going to set first team reps, all that kind of stuff. The best case scenario, I think, is that Finley goes out there and he holds on to this thing. He, oh, because that absolutely. means he's well enough to do it. I know Ashford, I, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I like Ashford a lot. I think he's, he's an electric player, maybe gives you a different spark. Calzada, you've seen he, he can do it in the SEC. But I just think at this point, with, with, what Finley has been able to do over those guys. I think now, and, and I've sort of changed my tune on that. I, I, I'm not sure if a month ago I would have said TJ Finley needs to be your starting quarterback over the course of the season. And that gives you the best chance to win. But now with the data we have and kind of seeing how things have played out, it seems like that is their, that's their best case scenario to win, you know, eight games, nine games in a, in a really good situation is have TJ be your guy throughout the season. Yeah. Well, if, if he's the guy that, that puts you, gets you the best position right now, then, then that's obviously the, the best starting point. Um, I'll, I'll flip side. The worst case scenario is to be sitting there after a couple of games and you've played two or three guys and nobody's distinguished themselves. Right. That's the thing. That's the thing right now. TJ Finley has done it so far by, 
doing the right things, getting the team in the right positions, all those things. You know, he hasn't gone out and again, nobody's gone out and thrown five or six touchdowns and gone, oh, that we hadn't had a Cam Newton, Nick Marshall scrimmage moment like those guys had to go, okay, yeah, that's that's the guy. Um, yeah, and so you start looking at it going, look, the thing they need now is for somebody, whoever it is, to to grab it and make some plays and get the ball to, to the wide receivers. To, that, that's that's the next step. They've done what they need to do in practice and, and in scrimmages. Um, now you get them in a game and, and you know, whoever it is, um, I, I still think there's there's a battle that will be going, going early in the season, maybe the first two games, uh, to figure out what you've got and what you need to do when, when Penn State rolls into town. Yeah, and again, it's we talked about in the offseason – it's a nice it's a nice buffer for this quarterback competition that you don't have to I mean who goodness who have they played in years past and we well we saw what this would look like against Clemson if, if Gus Malzahn was the coach you know back in 2016 they they you know Sean White if I'm remembering correctly Sean White was the starter right was was the guy who was actually the starter um but they obviously again short leash I mean, Sean like, White Jeremy Johnson and uh, and uh was, was, Who was uh, third one? What was it? John Franklin? John Franklin yeah. the third. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. It's it's it, again. That's that's worst case scenario. And so yes. for your Auburn, whoever it is, you, you need them to go out and 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 grab it and 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 it's important for that because you've got other positions that you know that's that's the thing about it. You know, you know when you start talking about this team, you know wide receiver making plays. Um, feel I think even better about the running back position than you did, but. And you look in front of the quarterback, and all of a sudden you start going, "Man, you got big questions." And you know, we talked about just like just like a baseball team. You go, "You got to be good up the middle." Well, on offense, you got to be good up the middle. And right now, there's a whole lot more questions and answers for Auburn up the middle on offense. Yeah, we'll use that as a as a nice segue. Um, we've kind of alluded maybe the past couple episodes to. Uh, the injury for Nick Brahms. That's something that um, Brian Harson touched on today. Uh, you know, Eric Kiesel also mentioned it on Friday, saying, "You know, there's there's hope that he'll be back either the first game of the season or or you know, early portion of the season is probably the more um, you know, maybe realistic way to look at it." There, the the, the bottom line is we don't Philip. We don't have a lot of uh, officially provided by Auburn data on uh, on Nick Brahms' situation right now. All that we can say is that. Hadn't been practicing past you know week and a half or so, um, and from what Brian Harson said today, it's just something they're just trying to figure out. And I thought it was telling. He said something like, uh, "You know, we'll, we'll we'll have to wait for him to heal up a little bit, and then we'll see what the final decision will be." Yeah, uh, I don't want to speculate, obviously, because I don't know, but uh, I do know that that's a if he can't play. That is a huge loss. Uh, a center that has played as many snaps as he has, as smart as he is. And I, I think a lot of times people don't understand how important the center is to the offense. I mean, he's the one that has to read the fronts and all those things. And uh, and he's got a nose guard breathing in his face. So uh, it's uh, – yeah, I, I don't – I have no idea how the other guys that have been working there have performed or will perform, but they're not going to bring the same things that, that Nick Brahms does. I mean, there just isn't any way, and that's not a knock on them. 
uh, and that'll be difficult. Uh, I think they're, I think they're okay at the other positions myself, but, uh, I just think that is a huge, huge thing. Well, and especially when you're talking about 33 starts, 40 games, it, it's so much more than just physical at the center position. Oh yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the mental side of things and that's, that's where you go. Cause you know, Jaleel, Jaleel Irwin has a start under his belt against Houston. Uh, played a little bit more, you know, he's played some center, um, but doesn't have a ton of, of work there. Brandon Council has played some center. He's played a lot of football, but he hadn't had played any center since he's been at Auburn, not in a game. And you got to go back to Akron where he was kind of a, kind of a jack of all trades guy. And he's played some there, but he's obviously a guy that's, that's seen more than anybody. And, and from a, a front, you know, recognition, some of those things, he would have to be the guy that you would have to feel like is in the best position there. And, you know, Tate Johnson, 11 snaps in his career, um, has, you know, all at guard last, two years ago and did not play a snap last year. Um, you know, young guy, but but you look at him and when you hear him talk about him, it, it sure feels like that's the guy that they feel like from a competitive standpoint right now is is maybe moved. He, he's been – normally pretty consistent in getting those number one reps at, at, at center. And we saw that today. He was with the ones, Jaleel Irvin was with the twos. Um, and so, you know, we've seen it in the past. We, you know, 2004, five, six, some of those teams had guys that weighed, you know, 255 pounds playing center. Tate Johnson's about listed at 285. So in the 280 range, um, way bigger than those guys, but these guys are bigger in front of them too. So it's going to be quickness, you know, power for him. If he gets it, and you're right, Philip, it's it's to do all that while you're having to think and take charge and do some of those things. It's it's a challenge, and um, that's that's something that that absolutely can't be overlooked. And I think I think the coaches have given us a little bit of their answer. By I mean, we've seen four different guys taking snaps at center. Um, that means that they are they're looking to try to build as much depth as they can there at that position. All right. The one good thing is, if there's anything good, is that is that they, this was this happened with plenty of time left in camp. It's not like if it happened, but happens the week before the the uh, Florida first game, game or, or, the Florida, or the Florida game when you already lost four centers. Was it ninety eight? Was it ninety eight? Yeah, and uh, tell Colin Sears on Thursday. Congratulations, you're now center. Yeah, and by the way, let's go and going down to play the freak and all those guys on that yeah. Florida defense. And and and, and you know, I, you know that's you know we we talked about it a lot, but th- that's the kind of thing that can happen at a position if you get some bad luck. Uh, and that's why you look and you've got to have the ability to get three or four guys ready, and that's why you cross train offensive linemen to play multiple positions and do some of those things just in case that happens. Um, you know, you got more defensive linemen, you got. You know, defensively, you can do some different things in, in terms of scheme and, and to get guys on the field in some different positions. Offensive line, you got five guys, and those guys have to have to figure out a way to play. So, um, you know, it, it's it's another it's another question mark for them in the middle. And uh, you know, if it's Tate, John, Tate Johnson, you know, having a couple of games to learn and get those butterflies out is is a massive deal for a young guy like that. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, maybe another possible silver lining. You, you didn't have Nick in the spring, so you, he was one of those guys you sat there and tried to develop some depth, thinking you would have him back, thinking, oh, it's nice you know, to have depth behind him. Now, you know, some of those guys might actually be settling in to possibly try to grab a starting role. Um, like Jason mentioned, it was, it was Jaleel Irvin who pretty much did all that in the spring. Um, today, this seems like maybe the most likely group moving forward. They'll, they'll, they'll still tinker with it a little bit, but the first team O-line today didn't didn't change much, if at all. Um, was obviously you got Zaire and Troxel at the tackles. That's been locked in for, for some time. Um, Council was at left guard. Tate Johnson was at center, and then Keandre Jones, who had a minor injury at the start of camp, and now it seems like he's got that right guard spot fixed in pretty well. He was uh, he was your right guard there. And then the second-team offensive line, Brandon Coffey at left tackle. Seen a lot of good things out of him. Um, Alec Jackson was there at right tackle. Jeremiah Wright at left guard. Uh, Avery Jernigan, who we've heard has also had a pretty nice camp, is at center. And then Jaleel Irvin actually at right guard um, instead of center. So a lot of names in there that have gotten a lot of practice, practice experience over the past year or so. It's just a matter of now maybe some of them need to actually be thrown into the fire because of Brahms' injury. Um, Tank Bigsby was back today. He uh, he didn't participate in the scrimmage on Friday. Eric Kesaw sort of um, said that it was it was no big deal. They, they held him out only to give reps to, uh, to some of the other guys. <clears throat> so good to see him back out there today. Um, but the big – the bigger for, uh, I guess, you can talk about – personnel type stuff and uh you know a, a new scholarship player uh added to that linebacking core um certainly big news for for mr jake Levant. um he was put on scholarship in the middle of practice about 30 45 minutes in um jason he was the guy did you i don't know if you ever figured out whether he was somebody that you that you wrote down a couple a couple years ago but uh, yeah I, well, he's I had a nice with... camp he's had a really good camp and uh, I mean, it, it you, paid off for him it, well we've seen it in the past and i mean you know for years that, you know, on special teams, there were two or three walk-ons that made a huge impact. And we've seen it the last few years, but going all the way back to Steve Brown and, and, and those guys, um, it's it's been a big part of Auburn history, walk-on success. And this is one of the, the best days you can have. And uh, you get a guy that can help you in special teams and go out there and, heck, we've seen him line up with a second-team defense on him. And, and so he knows what he's doing. Um, he understands it. You look at him and you go, hey, that guy's looks, he's, that's what it's supposed to look like. And you come from best Davy played at a high level of football in high school. So, um, you know, it's, it's awesome for him and his family, an Auburn family. Those are kind of the, you know, the people that you'd like to see rewarded and go, Hey, you, you know, you came, could have gone somewhere else, but came and paid his own way for a few years. And, and now it's earned a scholarship and a guy that we'll see, uh, we'll see running around some on special teams this season. Yeah, obviously they've had 
And with Barton Lester, has been a good special teams linebacker for them over the past couple seasons. So it's not like that's a position where you're not going to get any sort of looks or anything like that. I mean, that's a that's a place that we could see him uh, see him contribute. I'm trying to run through and see if <clears throat> there's anything else notable um, from today as I'm looking through here. Um, we did see a lot of special teams work, which I thought was cool. Um, you saw some laterals working on uh, just throwing it back, you know, on a on a yeah. last minute kind of to, return. Yeah, today was one of those days where it was like specialty special teams. We saw some of those where hey, we got to try to score here uh, defensively. It was it was working on you know knocking down a hail mary. There's some of those things that that might not come up a whole lot, and you know. This is one of those days where you have some coaches to ask where, you know, uh, say in, in in baseball, for example, they might have a day where they practice, you know, pile a pile on the field going, look, we're going to practice piling on the field after we win a championship. That was kind of one of those days today for football where they're going to look all the, the those things that just in case it happens, we want to know and be prepared for it. And this is one of those days that hey, in, in 2013, this has been one of those practice days where Gus Malzahn and um, those guys probably said, you know what, let's work on being prepared to return a field goal. And, and let's, 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 cause you don't do that by happenstance that what happened on that kick six, unless you're prepared to have something like that happen. And so today was one of those days. Yeah, I will say also, I uh, should have mentioned it earlier, uh, like 10 minutes after Levant got given the scholarship, he goes out and uh, makes a pick in seven on seven and the defense went uh, went crazy. And so great moment for him, not necessarily the greatest moment for for Zach Calzada, who made a pretty uh, a pretty errant throw on that one. But, uh, but yeah, obviously a great day for him. And then we got to talk to him afterwards. I thought that was cool by Brian Harson to sort of bring him in there and court sort of you know thrust him up on the podium and say you know you know this is this is sort of your moment and yeah he admitted he was like i never done this before i have no idea what i'm doing but uh obviously it was very so his parents were in town and everything yeah so so, so we're, we're sitting here two weeks from probably the the final whistle blowing um for auburn's season opener and i i, I will turn the tables and, and be the host for a second here nathan for you guys, where do you feel like where do you feel like this team is? Feel like we've seen a lot of these, but where do you feel like this team is two weeks away from kickoff and 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 heading into the season? Boy, that's a hard question. It is, because I'm not. I'm still have so many questions. Uh it's a team that feels good about itself. I do believe that. I believe that's real. I think they feel good about themselves. Um, but. You know, you got to wait and see, you know, if it's TJ, which we all agree it, it is, you know, got to see how he performs and we got to see how he performs when it matters, not against Mercer necessarily. Though uh, so obviously it would be great for him if he could go out and have a, a really clean game against Mercer. But, uh, you know, the offensive line has got a lot of the things you look for in terms of experience and all those things. But they haven't had a whole lot of success. And uh, I'm not sure they've been as bad as some of the fans think they've been. But they certainly haven't been outstanding either. And, uh, uh, you know, and there's just guys that haven't played that much. I mean, it's uh, – and, and, and I guess 
the biggest question to me, I think probably their first 22 is probably competitive with most people, but yeah. uh, I just don't know about the next 22. I, I, I don't know. And, and you got to have those guys. And, uh, there's absolutely no question you have to have those guys. And, uh, uh, and that probably is what will decide whether this is a season that people view, view fondly or if it's not. Well, I mean, just just think about last year. They stayed relatively healthy, but Bo Nick gets hurt. Anders Carlson gets hurt. And Brandon Council starts dealing with an injury. And then, obviously, Nick Brahms had surgery after the season. Austin Troxel had a little cleanup. So those down the stretch, that they were a, they were a beat up team a little bit, and we saw what happened. Exactly. From, used to go from six and two to 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 lose five games in a row. That's yep. that's it. And um, for you, Nathan, what, when you look at it. Um, we haven't touched on because I mean defense. We do. Oh, I think we all feel pretty good about it. The wide receiver group is another question because it's still going. Okay, you, you're gonna play. I mean, we see rotations six, seven, eight guys. Um, I think the search is still on. To you know, Camden Brown's probably been the best playmaker. The search is still on to go. Who's going to be the dude of this group? Because you got to have a dude. Yeah, I mean that's that's the first thing that came to mind for me was the like you said there's so many more question marks on offense there are a lot of questions on defense um you know i'm interested to see what wesley steiner and cam riley look like you know actually in prime time every single night um you know what the defensive line depth actually ends up looking like who that second safety is but like you know, every time you find an answer to one of those questions you're like oh, okay well they'll probably be pretty good um we just don't know what the what the potential of this receivers group is or you know what they're actually going to look like when they're out on the field, number one, because there's so many newcomers. And number two, I mean, Shed Jackson is the only guy. I mean, Javarius Johnson, when healthy, very explosive last year. You saw that against Arkansas. You saw that against Mississippi State. Um, can he deliver that on a consistent basis? I'm, I'm very confident in Shed Jackson to be a consistent receiver at the start of this year because of what he showed us at the end of last yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you're right with, Cam- with a guy like Camden Brown. Um, he's rotating with the ones again today. It seems like he's a pretty – solid lock to to at least be in that group we were talking about it today jason is like you know i I think back to seth williams in 2018 when it was about six or seven weeks in as a true freshman seth was where Jarrett stidham started realizing maybe i should start getting the ball to this guy a little bit more and then you had the i think he was targeted like 12 or 13 times in that texas a&m game obviously had the two the two late touchdowns but you can't have that be the case for everybody you can't have this be Oh, against week six or seven, you're still figuring things out. Yeah, when you have the quarterback situation, you have. We spent the first 20 minutes of the show talking about how the quarterbacks can't do that. The wide receiver certainly um, cannot. And so that for me, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling, I feel like I know, I know what they have obviously along the offensive line, other than Brahms. You, know, you feel like you feel like you, you know, have seen those guys perform before. Running back, really don't have many questions for that group at the moment. Um, and then the quarterbacks, it's like that. That's sort of a, a you know self-fulfilling prophecy they'll go out there and, and they'll they'll work things out for themselves receivers it's just a special group i mean it's a, it's a unique group on the field in terms of what they can do for an offense or can't do or Correct. what they can do to hold back an offense and so yeah you're right that's that's probably considering we you know might be able to just uh wrap things up with the quarterback competition that's probably my biggest question mark on the entire well, is well who's gonna, who's gonna step up there yeah and and, and so we we spent all the time talking about the quarterbacks and rightfully so, but but the things we touched on 
after that make it a possibility for those quarterbacks to succeed. They got to be able to run the football if that's what they and that's what they want to be. They want to be a physical running team. They got to be able to run it, and and that doesn't mean run it for three hundred against you know Mercer and and two ninety against San Jose State. It means be able to run it for first downs against Georgia and Alabama and and Texas A and M. Can they be that team? And and you know that that in the end that may be the determining factor of the success of this team, whether or not they find the right guy quarterback. Because if they can't run it, then it, it may not matter. I agree with you a hundred percent, and it's more that way for them because of the way they want to play. And yes. I'm not I'm not criticizing how they want to play, but uh, but they have to be able to run the ball. If they can't, well, we saw last year. Uh, if they can't run the ball effectively, and like you said, if they can't make third and three, uh, then they're going to be in a they're going to be in a bad way probably. There's, and uh, yeah. and and I've seen a lot of teams start off the season with great defenses, and the offenses aren't very good. And at some point during the season, then the defense becomes not very good too. And uh, it's just there's just so many unknowns. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this team's pretty good, and I wouldn't be shocked if it's not. I, I really don't know what to expect. Yeah, you know, and we, we've talked about this some before. I don't think we we talked about it with you, Philip, on here, but I, I kind of go – I look at it and go, first two games of the season, go put those – you know, I'll, I'll say I'm going to put those in almost in pen, um, even though I think San Jose State could, you know, be a team that could be interesting. It'll be dangerous, yeah. Then you go Georgia and Alabama. You go, man, it's going to be tough. Those are going to be teams where you're going to have to play extremely well. That leaves you eight games where even West Kentucky, where you start going, man, who knows? Those could be kind of toss-up games. So you start going, okay, how successful are are you in in those other eight games? Because that's that's the season. Um, Now, if you pull off an upset over Georgia and Alabama, then, hey, then it changes everything for your season. But when you look at it, there's there's eight games in those other ones. Um, when you start talking about, um, you know, maybe potentially all toss up games, how many of them can you win? Can you can you make the plays that are different? And you know, last year, that's what they didn't do. They did it. They did in a couple of games. They did at Georgia State. They did against LSU. But then you flip it and you go. I mean, you didn't make that play against Penn State. You didn't make it against South Carolina, Mississippi State, and. You know, all those other games, and of course Alabama. That's how that's that's the season in a nutshell for a team like this because it's gonna they're gonna be a lot of fourth quarter um, game no line situations for this team because because of the defense because they're gonna keep team they're gonna keep this team in the game even if an offense is struggling a bit. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I mean SEC games are most of them are close, and it comes down to who makes. Who can make the, the the biggest play at the biggest time? And uh, uh, it's uh, and like I said, we, I, I wish I had a better grasp. I wish I could say, "Here's what I think will happen, and here's why." But I really don't know what to expect. I truly don't. Yeah, on the subject of you're talking about running the ball, I, I, if if Bonix was not designed to throw forty plus passes a game, I, I don't think any of these three quarterbacks are are gonna. It's hard to succeed at all when you when you have to throw the ball that much. And, they and, were, and, and this offense, seasons they've been in situations like yeah, that. And this offense, especially, um, it's it's not one where you're you're because normally that those are teams that are made 
to do those kind of things. Like, you know, Alabama's kind of turned into that team. But a lot of the reasons why is because they run a ton of plays. Uh, when Auburn when Auburn's throwing it 40 times, it means they haven't been able to run it a whole lot. And that's that's when it when it, that's when it kicks into yeah. to, to bad news territory. So um, again, uh, there's so so many of those things. You know, quarterback, but it hinges on running game to me. And can you find a wide receiver that can can take a couple to the house? You do those things, and then all of a sudden that quarterback play gets a little bit easier. Yeah, and I, you know, what would Bo's passing percentage have been like last year if 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 there had just been a normal number of drops i mean yeah. it was 61 percent anyway yeah it's probably you know just I can, find uh, it. I can find it for you actually on pff if you get yeah it. I, you know i would say at a minimum you stay played in nine games and if you just add probably a probably one and a half at, at easy and just go hey just you know you start talking about adding 14 completions to his total and you bump up your percentage of a little bit and, and you're right you know it, it it improved late in the year a little bit um we saw a little bit more consistency can that group carried over i kill i think has made a tremendous amount of impact can can they become a group because physically the talent's there but yeah the consistency out of everybody um you know obviously it, it reflects on the quarterback and and vice versa so that's that's what they gotta have Take it for what it's worth. Of course, this is just a metric, um, but adjusted completion percentage does exactly that. It it doesn't take away all the drops, but it take it gives you the average number of drops. So I think it's just per conference. Um, Bonix's completion percentage on the season was sixty point two. His adjusted completion percentage would have been seventy three point two. Wow, that's a, 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 ten plus points is pretty. Yeah. Pretty, pretty yeah. Everyone yeah. gets a big jump from that metric, like yeah. But, yeah. but but yeah, I mean, even like I said, even if you cut it in half and you're at, you're at sixty six percent completion percentage, you're talking about an extra, you know. And and again, he did he didn't he didn't play in in three more games. And to me, and I thought, you know, because once TJ Finley had to come in, it was a completely different offense almost because it had been tailored to both. But people forget it. They lost that Mississippi State game, but that was by far the best offensive game of the year for that team. I mean, they oh, they, yeah. they rolled. He played well. They did a lot of good things. Um, once they kind of got it tailored a little bit, now they've had a year. Can T.J. Finley kind of can they tailor it to to him or to Robbie Ashford or whoever it is, and and start to get some of that momentum earlier in the season? That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. See, it, I think looked, that's the thing. It looked different. Yeah, made a very. Very good point, Jason, about T.J. Finley was running an offense that had been built for, for Bo Nix last right. season. And that's hard. And, and you had an offense coordinator and a head coach who weren't seeing eye to eye. And uh, so his situation is quite different this year, I think. Now, what does that mean? We'll see. But uh, uh, And everybody's now, or most everybody, has run this – Offense or similar for a year, and uh, uh, so it, it's it's easy to look at the offense and say, "Well, yeah, they got a chance to be really good," and it's easy to look at the offense and say, "Oh, I don't know." And uh, now I think the defense—I think the first defense is going to be really good. Yeah, I do too. But now, how much depth they have—that's that's the question to me. Yep, absolutely. 
Yeah, well, I think either way, we're kind of realizing at this point, and it's not something we didn't know in the offseason, but I don't really foresee a way where this season is not supremely interesting and intriguing on a oh, week. It's going to be for sure. Every, they always are. This one has uh, this one's got as, some as cake, many unknowns yeah. <laughs> as, as you could possibly have. Yeah, it'll be good. Lots of uh, lots of storylines going on, of course. And, uh, you know, like we said earlier, the quarterback competition should be, be probably be ongoing through the first few games of the season. So we'll continue having these these types of conversations. But uh, we'll wrap that up here and uh, and touch base with you guys again early next week. I would think there is a decent greater than 50 percent chance that within a few days it will probably be us talking about starting quarterback TJ Finley and maybe Harson's comments on that and just kind of you know, what our thoughts on that. And then um, like Harson said today, it's not long before that you, they'll, they'll blend the Mercer prep. You just kind of getting things set up for game yeah. week. They'll blend that into the end of next week. So it's sun in his own words, Sunday mark Sunday marks the end of fall camp. Um, and from there it's, it's, it's truly, you know, practice for the 2022 season. So I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. If you guys enjoyed this episode of the show please go wherever you guys spotify google apple wherever you guys listen to your podcast go give us a five-star review that is the number one thing that helps us out boost the ratings all that fun stuff the intro and outro music is by beats by mordecai you guys can follow him on twitter soundcloud and instagram and until the next episode we will catch you guys later everybody have a good rest of the weekend and a good start to the week original and heartfelt movie in years magic like this comes around once in a lifetime this friday experience it with your whole family can we do it again if ready pg